Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurb. That's a um, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Well, here we go. It is all new Minority Corner, and oh my goddess, we made it. Mercury is out of retrograde. We did it. Can you feel a brand new day? How was it for you, kids? We're gonna unpack. And I'm so excited because we have Emerald Wright Kali back with us, works in the world of animation, not been on the podcast since uh, it's been a long time, since really maybe some of you uh, found the podcast. Might have been your first podcast. It was right after the murder of George Floyd. Uh, the co- podcast found a huge new audience, and uh, we've not been able to get Emerald back since. So it's really great to have her back. And continuing our Black History Month celebration. And ooh, it's a good time because look at all these Black Lady Supreme Court Justice nominees. Yes. And speaking of justice, when's the last time you saw Poetic Justice starring Janet Jackson? Well, with Janet Jackson Appreciation Day right around the corner, a.k.a. the Puppy Bowl, a.k.a. maybe some of y'all call it the Super Bowl. Anyways, now's a great time to go back and watch this movie. We discuss, we discuss, we discuss. But in the main corner, clear the deck, clear the table. I am so excited to unpack this with you all. It blew my mind when I first came across this. I had no idea, and it unpacks so much. We are diving in. We're going so back. Black history, we're, we're going down into the archives. Uh, we're going to talk about Andromeda. And I'm sure y'all are like, what? That Greek lady? Why are we talking about her during Black History Month? Uh-uh. No, no, no. Because she was an Ethiopian princess. Hold on to your butts. We're going to uncover uh, pretty much more so the story of how the story of Andromeda became so whitewashed and unpacking where else this might have happened throughout history and the why of it. Get ready because you are going to learn, laugh, and play right here on All New Minority Corner happening right now. Emerald is back. Emerald City. Hi, Emerald. Woohoo! Oh, hi. Oh my god, to be on again. Well, it's been so long. This is like one of the busiest women women in the industry. I've not got Emerald. We the last time you were on the show blew up. Um, and sadly, this is it was we did an episode. Uh, it was about the rich black girl Sarah Rector, which people had like. They were coming at me. They were like, oh, you're just supporting oil in, in, in capitalism. I'm like, this was a 12-year-old black girl who got rich. Like, leave her be. In like the 1912. Yeah. But your episode coincided as soon as we got done recording. It was the murder of George Floyd, our episode launch. And I have to tell you, it was one of our most listened to episodes ever. People found the podcast. We got... Um, uh, there was uh, episode drop feeds from other podcasts. Like it just it blew up, and then Emerald's like, 
Bye. Never doing your show again. <laughs> Couldn't get this woman on the show. Finally, she's here. Hello. Welcome back. I'm here. Thank you. It's it's important that people found this corner because it's the best corner to be in. There's no other better corner than the corner filled with minorities. Um, Emerald, we did it. We survived Mercury in retrograde. It's done behind us. How, how are you feeling? Did you, did you survive it? Yeah, you can saw now. You can... Just relax and breathe and Mercury retrograde threw me for a loop. It was tough. Mm-hmm. I kept having so many different things. I, I, we had to fire my other, I have a morning show, uh, get on up with jam and Renee over on uh back channel on your Alexa device, or you can stream on YouTube every morning, seven to 9am Pacific time. Plug, plug, plug. We had a producer. He was terrible. We had to pretty much like fire, get, he fire him. We didn't fire him, but his boss ended up firing him because he was terrible at his job and just was getting caught up in lies. Don't be an adult lion. We don't need that. Like you, you an adult. Don't you do that. My brother and I were like years of trauma, just like coming up and, and disagreement. It was just like, we should, I was like, we should not be talking right now because Mercury's in retrograde. My brother's like, whatever that means. And I'm like, oh, this is sending me off even further. But we met in a park. Here's the thing about Mercury retrograde. It's sort of like your return of Saturn. When you know you're in a period of some like really terrible shit is happening, you can do one of two things. Collapse into it, fall to pieces, or know this is what's happening. Meet it head on and, uh, you know, just tackle it, you know? like, And that's what I, I did. I was like, oh. Communication is going to be really difficult, so I need to lean into having good communication right now. Mm-hmm. Good on you. I kind of went the opposite route. I was like, this is going to be <laughs> you just really tough. Um, you just go wild. Yeah, just... <laughs> ah, Mercury's in retrograde. Fuck you. Fuck you. I don't even know how to handle you. Wah! Is that what happened? Basically, I had a list. I was going down. Mom, sister. <laughs> You too. And another thing. <laughs> Guy across the street, you need to hear this. You know what? I can say Mercury's in retrograde. Yeah, you can. No, Mercury was in retrograde. And I live on a street where it's a one-way street. So delivery trucks will, like, stop mm. to deliver. And then traffic will get backed up behind the truck. And every mm. time it happens, there's a woman in the other building who looks at the same time that I do. And I just, one day I just flicked her off, James. <laughs> wait, what? I'm sorry. Does she do, wait, she just looks at the same time that you do and you're just like, that's enough. Should she like throw trash in your direction? No. Is she... It was just like, this is my moment. Like I'm taking this in. I don't really need another spectator. I'm the spectator. I see what you mean when you were like I was wild I see what you mean when you you did preface you said I was wild during Mercury Retrograde and uh, I see Everybody. it Nobody was safe Okay Yeah well glad we're now getting together uh, now because you would have came on this podcast You know what <laughs> Stop looking at me Stop looking at me on the Zoom Turn your camera <laughs> off like, Okay uh, <laughs> Camera down um, but is I here's the thing that I had come in I was in therapy and I uh made the declaration that I was gonna no longer be 
Because what it came down to is my boundaries were not being respected or I wasn't asking for my boundaries to get met. And uh, I wasn't asking for my wants or my needs to be met. So I made a declaration that I was going to stop being okay with not having uh, with I was going to stop being okay with uh, um, not asking for what I wanted or needed mm. and not suddenly saying that I was going to always ask for it because it's hard. I'm a recovering perfectionist, a people pleaser um, and not saying like I was going to like light switch always do it. But I was at least going to stop being okay with not asking for my wants or needs to be met um, and being in that space of being uncomfortable and agitated until I then am compelled to start having these conversations. And that gives space for people to either say, no, I can't, um, or they, or it gives them space to participate. And so, um, yeah, I feel like that, that is because you have to be vulnerable to be able to do that. It's scary. But I found that in all the instances with a coworker, with my brother or with that, morning show our show got better because sarah brown is now our at our, pr- our producer for our morning show so we brought her on Woo-hoo. over and things have been magical and amazing so uh ask her what you want and need it these terrible times lean into them and they can be transformed right it's almost like to reach comfortability you have to get through uncomfortability let's go to a little bit of something to celebrate that has been terrible uh woof it is Black History Month, and it is time to do a dance. I love so much, and I think it's really in the last few years. Let me know how you feel about this. I feel like Black History Month in like the last two years has really become like an extra like Black Christmas. Like you just really get to do whatever the fuck you want. You're like, um, it's Black History Month, not today. Like someone tried to cut me off at the machine at the gym the other day. white guy and i was like on black history month are you kidding me (laughs) no no sir i will be doing the bench press right now i feel the same same way i mean earlier today i shut my camera off and went on mute during um (laughs) one of my meetings because i needed a snack yeah and i was like this is a small moment of self-care and not to mention i looked down at the date i said it's Black History Month, so <laughs> I'll explain myself to anybody. <laughs> I looked at the date, and you know what I, it said? Uh, Black History Month. That's just what it says for 28 days. What's today? Black History Month. Black History Month. That's what, all you need to know, okay? That's all you need and to know. And it's so interesting, I think, especially, and it's been this journey of, because I feel like for the longest time, and maybe this is just my own personal growth and, and journey, but, like, I don't know. This white supremacy thing, let's unpack this for a bit of a moment. Because there's been such sort of like they love our culture, but we've also been like the butt of jokes for so long. Like, oh, Black History Month and oh, it's just 28 days. And it just I and then now it's just feeling such incredible pride really kicked off I mean, even before 2016. But, you know, when you the Black Lives Matter movement, thank God is for it because it really was like, wait, 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 no, no, no. I need to dive even further into my culture all of my upbringing and like all of my ancestors. And it's so wild because we've been, you know, doing deep dives into Black History Month for so long now here at Minority Corner. And every year I just uncover more and more folks that I never heard about 
I, you know, run our DEIB, our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at uh, my company, and we do a whole entire month of programming where it's like every day it's a new Black History Month person to highlight or factoid. And you just, every time I'm always thinking like, oh, I think we did it. I don't think there's anybody else to uncover. But I know we have so many fucking contributions that are not uncovered and not even until you can go back into our archive of Rosa Parks. It's insane what they just taught us, like the same. Oh, she was old lady on a bus. None of that was true. She wasn't old. She was 42. She wasn't tired. Like, I mean, tired of racism. Um, right. You know, she had a, had this an altercation with bus. that guy 10 years prior and she, the same bus driver. And she was like, we'll never go to ride on his bus again. She was tired. She was, you know, working for the NAACP. And she forgot she forgot to check what bus driver it was. She was actually sitting in a section she was allowed to sit. I mean, it's all these like things you just don't. And then like all the activism she did afterwards. Anyways, all that to say, stick around because you're going to hear some more black history that you ain't never heard before. It's very true. It's funny that you gave Rosa Parks that very quick caption. Some old lady on the bus. That's all you ever hear. Like, oh, it's, she's it's tired. So true. No! 42 yeah, years old. Absolutely. Working for the activists, working for the NAACP, none of that. So, all that to say, we're going to celebrate some black Supreme Court nominees. Yes. <sighs> I love this so much. So, Joe Biden said that he, again, well, we already heard during the election cycle, and you know, a smart move on Joe Biden is like, it wasn't that it was kind of neck and neck between him and Bernie. He probably was still going to pull it out. But it was just him. And then it's sort of like when you're in elementary school running for class president, you're just like free soda for everybody on two two sticks. <laughs> and then they're like, Joe Biden, what will you do? He's like, I'll put a black woman in the Supreme Court. And everyone's like, oh, you know, like and to that, uh, Justice Breyer has been like, all right, I'm going to step it on down, which I love Justice Breyer is like. I got to get out of this now because if he goes a minute too late, those Republicans will be like, no, we're having an election in two years. We can't put up a Supreme Court justice. Meanwhile, when it's them on the other side, what was it? Ruth Bader Ginsburg died like a month or two before the oh, election. My yep, I think it was. Slide them on Slide in. Slide her. <laughs> Quick, get, get out in there. Meanwhile, I forget who it was who died. Was it Scalia? It was like nine months before the election. They're like, oh, no, we couldn't possibly on an election year. Oh, no, right. we couldn't. Mm -mm. So uh, there is a short list, which I'm sure this the list is even bigger. I always love this that like the news is always guessing and they have. No idea. But what I have loved is that there is this list that CNN put together of some really amazing potential black female Supreme Court um, justices. Uh, should we chat about some of these ladies? Let's do it. Let's get into it. It's important to spotlight them. I don't know if you noticed, James, the date is Black History black Month. History. I don't know. Did you? <laughs> Check. Oh, what's today? Oh, it's Black History Month. Yeah, that is right. <laughs> so we are going to celebrate some of these amazing potential uh, Supreme Court justices. And even if none of them make it to being the Supreme Court justice, say their name like while they're alive, you know, and doing some amazing right. good work. Don't just say these ladies' names when they've been murdered by the police. No, 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 no. Say their names now while they're doing while they are getting information, getting us information. Exactly. Um, so there's a bunch of them. We'll link this article, but uh, here's some that really caught my eye. So there is 
D.C. Circuit Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, she, I, so she's recently was a, a, a appointed to the U.C. Court, the U.S. Court of Appeals of the District of Columbia, which is considered the second most uh, powerful federal court in the country. I believe New York is because New York be going after people and it's, and, you know, when they're like serving Trump papers and, you know, they, you do not want D.C. court or New York court serving you nothing except justice, poetic justice. Sidebar, um, when's the last time you've seen poetic justice? It's been a very long time, and I'll add like my mother's mm. TV as a kid. Oh, like, so God. I've never actually sat down and watched it. Okay, well, I recommend it's on. Here's what's so nice about Black History Month as well, and they do it for all the Heritage Months. They make it so easy for you. Whether you got the Hulus, you got the Netflix, you got the. Actually, I don't, you know, I gotta say, out of all of the streaming services they have, Netflix has been pushing their Black History Month content not as much as the other ones. Uh, the other ones, it's like at the top. HBO is like, here's your Black History yeah. Month collection. Amazon Prime, Black History Month collection. I feel like I have to scroll down a little bit for the Netflix one. No, you're right. And last year, obviously, at the height of everything, they were like sending out emails. <laughs> it was at the top of their like when you logged when you logged into Netflix, they were like, "Hey, remember it's Black History Month, oh. Black stories, <laughs> Black collections, Black cartoons." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got your text message too, Netflix. I'll be right over there, okay? But yeah, I think this also just goes to my point that I feel like Netflix has kind of become just like it's the trashier of the streaming services. Yes. Kind of is. I mean, have you <laughs> their most recent title that's getting a lot of buzz is the woman across yeah. the street from the house I'm, on the left, yeah. down the corner, <laughs> left of the garbage can, next to the raccoon. That's her. That's her starting here some bell. Yeah. I I mean it's just fluff. You're, I don't think you're really going there to like, oh, I saw this powerful documentary. It's all like no. sensational, sort of like popcorny but like really quick like it'll be the heat of the moment and then gone you know they're not right they used to be this place of like i don't know i feel like you were getting hbo level substance like i mean it's tainted now but at the time house of cards was like you felt like you were watching hbo stuff but on your little computer you're like no this is a steal this is a steal yeah and what's um my first netflix binge ever was scandal oh with Kerry Washington. yeah yeah yeah. but that was ported I from was abc but yes absolutely yes you've got to earn me oh, yeah. she would say to fitzgerald <laughs> at least three times a season yeah my favorite thing to do is i say this i i i won't even when someone asks me to do something at work and when it's done i just send them an olivia pope gift that says it's handled and her walking in her white coat and throwing her phone oh in the trash goodness. can. Yes. That's all you need. That's all you need. Oh, last thing I got to say about this. So this year, last year for Black History Month, you know, I always put out this challenge of really try to take in as much black content as I possibly can. And same thing with like Ladies mm -hmm. Month. I try to take as much, you know, lady content as I can. Um, And last year, I think I was in a really dark place. Like I was watching some like, I was doing like, you know, all that Underground Railroad series. I did uh, Amistad. It was, I was doing like just all of like the really 
intense, heavy. heavy, black narratives. Um, and this year I can't do it, but you know what I'm doing that's instead. So I'm just, I just can't, I can't take it on this year. I can't do it. But I will say, like, it goes back to, um, Viola Davis's uh, quote, exhume the bodies. I'll never forget when she won the Emmy. She's like, exhume the bodies. Like, li- uh, not like actually go to the graveyard. <laughs> like, like, look at this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where are you going with this? I haven't heard this quote. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you know that Viola Davis quote, exhume the bodies. That's what I was doing. You're like, wait, what? She's like, That's what I was doing last she's Saturday. Like, Grave robber. <laughs> no, like, resurface their stories you know retell their mm. stories like bring that to what she wants to do with her career and what she's doing sidebar sidebar if you've seen she's got a photo of her in this new movie called the woman king where it's her yes. as one of the black amazons who fought off like the french co- colonists who were coming down so a new photo so she's exhuming those bodies and i never heard she that story really was. Mm-hmm. but it's so, a powerful photo it's a very powerful photo highly recommend um, so that's what I feel like I was doing last year. But this year, long story long, bringing it back to Poetic Justice, I'm doing fun, like, black, like, comedies, romantic comedies, family-like comedies. So I'm keeping it light. So I'm, I did Poetic Justice recently, starring Janet Jackson, mm. Tupac Shakur. Love Tupac. Regina King. <laughs> And Maya Angelou has a little, uh, has a little like a little cameo in it. Mm-hmm. She does all the poetry. Um, yeah, I highly recommend. I know I just get a little emotional when talking about Tupac. Um, but funny story about Tupac is my mom loves to say this. She apparently met him when she was pregnant with me, <laughs> and he rubbed her stomach. Oh, wow! Yeah. So he was such a you are you've been touched by Tupac. Um, you've been touched by Tupac. (laughs) What like he was helping to bridge that East Coast West Coast divide by just you know, yes, touching you, touching little baby, little baby, (laughs) womb you. I what a talented man because he also he does a great job in that movie. It's directed by John Singleton. Not the best, like, not the best script, whatever. It's but it's such an interesting because the movie is essentially a road trip. Where she needs to get to a hair show, and uh, Tupac and this other guy give Regina King and Janet Jackson they they they're they're postal drivers, and they're gonna make a delivery down to from the it's a road trip movie from L.A. to San Francisco to Oakland, L.A. to Oakland, mm. and it somehow they can't, they make so many pit stops like oh let's go crash this family barbecue over here, and then they're like. Oh look, there's a carnival over here. I'm like, y'all, this ride should not take this long. Like it took them. I forgot they were only going from Oak to San, it's from LA to, to Oakland, and that was the the movie. But it takes a long time. A lot of shenanigans happen. Regina King gets really really drunk on the way up there. There was a moment of that. Um, wow, I have to rewatch it. I need to sit and like watch it as an adult Please and not do. as a small child. Yeah. That's how I word the I learned the word punani from that movie. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Teachable moment. Teachable moment. I was like, because my family was a big Jan Jackson fans, and she goes to Tupac, mm. you wanna lick my punani? But she's toying with them because she doesn't mean it. Cause he's trying to get at it and she's and she has a character choice where she just chews gum the entire 
vampire movie. And I love that. it gum chewing gum excessively does not look good on camera, which is why you just don't see it too often. <laughs> it, right. It was very, very interesting choice. Um and the last thing I'll say about it is so she's living in Compton and she's trying to like just it's just about yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of like insecure before there was an insecure, really. But the one mm-hmm. thing I will say is that like she's at the movie theater, her boyfriend, Q tip, gets shot and killed. Um and everyone is like, Girl, you need to move on. <laughs> she's working that at is the so I traumatic. know she's, she's working at the hair salon and it's maybe been like a month or two. And they're like, Oh, you still tripping over him? Oh girl, come on. There's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> Like, stop wearing all this black. He dead. Now you can go date him over what? there. It's really... Oh, my goodness. But that's literally going through the most tragic moment of her life. And to move on. she was right there. She was in the backseat of the car with him when it happened. They were at the movie theater, the drive-in theater, and he got shot. Oh, no. And, I mean, blood all over her in one scene. <laughs> Opening And movie. they're just like, you just <laughs> lingering for too long. Girl, you need to move on. Plenty of vision to see. <laughs> Stop wearing black. Used to writing poems. Justice. See, get it. Her name is Justice. And she writes poetry. Ah, uh, no, it makes sense. Poetic justice. Okay, back to um, these <laughs> Black Lady Supreme Court justices. Ah, yes, we diverged in, so much. But it fit because we were talking about poetic justice. And we talked justice about justice system. Yep. Candidate. Name of the episode Poetic Justice. Done. Okay, back to our Supreme Court justice. So we just talked about Judge <laughs> that full ten minute tangent. Keep it all in, Sarah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there is uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Biden was the only one one who already uh, had brought her to the U.S. Court of Appeals of the District of Columbia. She's fifty one years old, and so I will be mentioning their ages because it does matter because it's all politics that they're gonna try to put in like a young one, like Amy Comey, Comey Barrett is like what forty eight. Lord, we're going to be with her for a while. What a job time. has a full-time appointment? No job should have that. None. What yeah, she, like a, I, James, I forgot how old she was. She's a, she's a little baby. Little baby yeah. with a gavel. We're going to be dealing with her for a long time. And let me a tell very you, long time. she's not great. She's not great. And she not probably great. eats garlic so that she can stay alive longer. <laughs> I feel like, are you calling her? Oh, wait, I was going to say, wow, you're calling her a vampire. Oh, that's the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> she would eat garlic. She's just on her bench, not on that garlic. So 51, uh, she's on a high profile. She's on a lot of the high profile cases, including the Don McGahn uh, congressional subpoena lawsuit. Um, where a district court ordered former Trump White House counsel to comply with the House's subpoena. So she's no stranger to having to like, okay, we got some tough cases. And she's uh, from uh, the D.C. Circuit of of Appeals, so that bodes well for her. Mm -hmm. We also have hailing from California. I wish you could see this picture of her because she is just too cute. I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to do it. Do it. Bring her her up. Look at this. All right, sharing my screen. Oh Look my at her. gosh! Can you see her? Oh, I don't. Am I sharing the right screen? Yes, you are. Her? She's radiating off the page. Oh, isn't she great? Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, what's her? So this is Leandra Kruger. Um, she's forty-five. She's the youngest person to be appointed to the California Supreme Court uh, when then Governor Governor Jerry Brown nominated her in two thousand fourteen. 
So she's very familiar with the Supreme Court because she had worked at a clerk for the she was a clerk for the late Justice John Paul Stevens. And she also served as acting deputy solicitor general in the Obama administration. I have to say, I'm going to tell you, I am biased. She is my front runner. She look, she cute. <laughs> she cute. Bonus points. She cute. <laughs> Listen, I am still. Uh, I, well, if I, she doesn't have to be cute, but I just I don't know. She looks like something out of a Shonda Rhimes TV show. She really does. <laughs> so a little bias. <laughs> like she go head to head with Olivia, right. but then they'd be on the same side. They got to bring down. They got to be bring down B B three sixteen. They were always after B three sixteen. After you thought like, oh, they're done. Wow. They're back. The it B3 was like 16. the whole show. Became about B316. All right. You also have South Carolina U.S. District Court Judge J. Michelle Childs. Um, I believe she is the one from South Carolina. So even a Republican Congress guy is like, oh, yeah, I'll fuck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a direct quote. As in, I mean, that senator would be like, oh, I'd confirm her because people love things that remind them of their home. Yeah. she's, She's from South Carolina. So they're, they're, you know, people love nepotism. It never goes out of style. Especially in South Carolina. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you have her and then you've got Anita Earls. She also, she was working with the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. So we love those names and letters all together. Um, only thing is that she is 61. So, which sucks because I mean, Personally, I think, again, I think the judges should be of different ages. I think you have different wisdoms. Right. I don't think everyone should be of the same age. And I feel like it kind of sucks. If she's 61, she's earned this spot. I feel like, you know, she worked hard. She's got that wisdom. So I think that sucks that that would throw her out. But that's the game of politics. Uh, you've also got uh, District Judge Wilhelmina Mimi Wright, who's a judge on Minnesota's federal court. So Amy Klobuchar is like, I fuck with that. You know, I love that her they put her nickname in in the middle of her name, her full name, Mimi. Judge oh, yeah. Mimi. Mimi, that's what people call her. Judge <laughs> Mimi. She she that's what I do love about Judge Mimi. Cause she would just be like, you know, call me Let's Judge call Mimi. Me. Judge Mimi don't play. The uh Judge Mimi had a dissenting opinion about that. <laughs> she would not not be having it. So those are just a few of them. There's also uh, Circuit Judge Eunice Lee, former New York public defender, who Biden nominated to the Second Second Circuit on the recommendation of uh, Chuck Schumer. Uh, There's Judge Candace Jackson Akiwimi from Chicago. Uh, Circuit Judge Holly A. Thomas uh, from the Ninth Circuit. All of these amazing, wonderful beautiful talented black women uh and i mean beautiful in the sense of their talents are so amazing that it just burns it's amazing to see like that entire scroll of just very accomplished black women just serving in the literal and metaphorical sense and you just and you never get to really hear that and of course the you know white folks are like you know, because Biden came out and he was like, I'm going to put a black woman like that's going to be a black woman. There's white folks who are like, well, what about all the qualified white people? And OK, what about all the qualified black women that have not been considered or had this opportunity that it is important to have representation? They're like, oh, you're making the courts you know, so political. Y'all stop playing games. 
Like, we don't already know that this court is political. Exactly. We know that. Okay? We know that. We already know that this is how it is. And you should have jury of your peers. They're essentially serving as a jury of your peers. And so you need that representation. She's going to have see things that some of these other judges are not going to. Um, I think out of like 230 judges, like only like six of them in the history of America have been non-white mm. men. Insane. It's it's time. That is an insane number. I also just don't understand how like this is a historical moment. How come we're not all doing a song and dance or at least the majority of us? Like even if you're like I'm Republican and then Kamala Harris gets, you know, the vice presidency, you still must take that in as a moment of like, wow, this is history. There's a female black president in my lifetime that's really amazing right and it's an important institution just in general gen speaking generally these institutions make really important decisions and like we were saying before and like you're saying now it's important to have narratives and perspectives from everybody that represent the body of people that they govern um you would think it's a no-brainer no, it, it, not for them. Not for them. So that made me really happy because I'm just like, okay, you know, these, you know, they're having a moment. And so I just am really excited about, uh, I'm excited that this is in our lifetime. I never thought I would get to see it. And she needed to balance out that, I'm going to say it, Uncle Tom Clarence on that bench. He's like the second most conservative judge and it's... Ugh. That's very upsetting. Oh, here it is. Out of 115 of the Supreme Court justices we've had, um, 108 of them have been white men. Wow. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. All right. Well, we're going to take a, a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to dive into some more topics. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? <laughs> In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Black History Month. Oh, yes, it is. It is still. I totally the calendar. that. I know. I saw. <laughs> uh, it's Black History Month. Check the calendar. Check the watch. Check, 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 check your date book. It's Black History Month. So, check your date book. 
I came across an article that blew my mind, but then I shouldn't be so surprised. So you've heard, so we're going to talk about Andromeda, and I'm sure you're like, why are we talking about Andromeda during Black History Month, right? Well, we all are, because she was a black Ethiopian princess. Did you know? I did not. Me neither. So we're going to talk about her origin and why her story was pretty much whitewashed from history. And it will make you think if it's not only her, who else? Who else? So if you've seen Clash of the Titans or you've read, you know, or seen the 1981 one uh, or the 2010 odd one that came out, like you'll see, you know, she's usually in the other one. She was blonde. The other one, she was brunette. And the whole entire idea of the story is, you know, this Greek hero, Perseus, son of Zeus, uh, you know, riding on a winged feet to rescue Andromeda, who was fixed with chains to a rocky cliff before she was devoured by a giant sea serpent rising from the deep. Because Andromeda was beautiful. She was gorgeous. So story of Andromeda. Uh, the reason for Andromeda's sacrifice is because Cassiopeia, her mother, wife of Cepheus had outraged Poseidon. You know, Poseidon was up in the sea. He was the god of the sea. He was like, okay, don't you upset me. I'll get wild. And uh, she was claiming that she is more beautiful than any creature on land or sea. I mean, why are you going to do that, Cassiopeia? You know it's just going to set him. She's like, I'm so pretty. And he's like, oh, yeah. And uh, so then he was like, okay, I'm not about that. And so furious Poseidon... um, he was so furious that he, he was going to sink the entire kingdom, uh, refraining only when I, I, I can only when the conniving seer Ammon persuades him to settle for a single royal life instead, and that was Andromeda. So he's like, "Don't destroy us, kill that pretty girl over there," because <laughs> she was hot, she was gorgeous, she was fly, and so he was like, "Oh, okay." And so then with the urging of the people, they're like, well, we got to sacrifice her. We got to sacrifice this hoe. We got to sacrifice this hoe. Because her mom was running her mouth. I'm so pretty. He's like, oh, yeah. And then so it was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, don't kill us all. Don't kill us all. <laughs> Just take her. Not even the mom who was the one who was, like, starting all this. They were like, Andromeda. Um, just jealousy. That's what that was. And so exactly. that's what happened. And so, um, so they, so, so then the people acquiesced, like, oh yeah, 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 we'll sacrifice her. And then Percy is, cause he's seen her and he's like, oh, she is so gorgeous. We can't kill her. No, 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 no. Not on Perseus's watch. And so, I uh, Perseus asked Cepheus for her hand in exchange for saving her life. So he then like, then goes to go whisk her off and he, um, Yeah. And so once promised, Perseus holds up the, uh, he then also before this, he had decapitated Medusa, which I'm also like, okay, see, I have questions. What's Medusa's story? You know, there's always two sides to the story. So, so many sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then what he did was, cause he was like, he had that Medusa's head happen to have it. He'd already been on an adventure and here comes this giant sea serpent. He's like, oh, what can I do? Oh yeah, I got Medusa's head in my purse and my bag. <laughs> so he takes it out and then it uh, turns the giant sea serpent to stone. And so then he, you know, so that's kind of the story. So, um, so while the myth of Perseus in Andromeda, you know, played out, so that's one of the, you know, versions that you maybe have seen like in the movie, um, kind of the basis of it. 
but there was just this continued thing where her story was whitewashed. Um, and so, um, the, the story dates all the way back to like 5th century BCE. You had playwrights like Sophocles, Euripides. They drafted alternate versions um, for their live audiences. So the story's been, you know, twerked and, and, and tweaked around. Um, but while their manuscripts are lost today, we do know that Euripides' Andromeda, written in 412 BC, was set in... And drum roll, please. It was set in Ethiopia. So that's where his was set. And we have explicit testimony of this fact. So, and the reason Ethiopia, it, it, so it was in, so all these older accounts set in Ethiopia. And so that's also where Perseus discovers Andromeda on his way home after killing Medusa. Uh, he killed her and he was like, oh, who this over here? Who this fly honey over here? Oh, that's an Andromeda. You're not going to kill her. Um, and he had also used her head to, uh, he'd also used Medusa's head to turn um, Atlas to stone. That head was getting a lot of use. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just in his pocket, <laughs> pulling it out whenever oh, it was convenient. Oh, they're like, uh, sir, you're going to need to play this toll. Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me just, <gasps> Medusa face. <laughs> And also, the Atlas Mountains are on the African continent throughout across mm. the Sahara in Algeria, Morocco, and Tunisia. So it's so interesting. So there's all these different stories, how much we've been just caught out of these stories, which makes sense. Like all that Mediterranean. You know what else is surrounded the Mediterranean? Africa, an entire continent with its countries and people, right? And so, but here's the thing. The name Ethiopia, actually, originally, for the writers of ancient Greece, um, Ethiopia, somehow translated to them, it meant the burnt face. So, I mean, there was some racism. Mm. They just called us the burnt face people. And that's burnt where they had. People. I know. Not great. Um, but yes, that, even though that, that's how they had, would describe it. Like, oh, yeah, Ethiopia equals, you know, burnt, burnt face. So. So you also have like in other, uh, you know, there's this PBS website um, about there's this documentary series called Wonders of the African World and talks about how, uh, you know, Greek traditions told of this guy Memnon, who, excuse me, was a legendary Nubian king, another group of people that are often cut out of the narrative Nubian kings, you know, you always hear like, "Oh yes, my Nubian queen," right? My Nubian queen. Yep, we were cut out of it. We just have been so cut out of it. Um, and so this Nubian king had fought in the Trojan War. I mean, also cut out of that narrative, right? I saw yeah. Troy. I didn't see no Nubian <laughs> king running around. <laughs> I would have noticed. I would have noticed. He would have definitely stuck out. Uh, they and so they spoke of Nubia's people who were the tallest and handsomest on earth and whose piety was so great that the gods preferred their offerings to those of all other men. And so they also knew that this that historical Nubian kings had once conquered Egypt and ruled it for 60 years and that their dynasty uh, was counted on as Egypt's uh, 25th. So again, how much we're just cut out of these movies, these narratives, Obviously, we were there, folks. It's in Africa. We don't just think what we were doing. Just holding on, just waiting by the shore, waiting to be taken off to America, kidnapped. <laughs> just waiting. No, chained we were up, doing ready things. to go. <laughs> we we're doing just things. <laughs> um, we were busy being Nubian kings and queens. Thank you. And some of it's us were really... probably slaves then too. But for our own people, it's different. <laughs> 
exactly. It's really interesting to think about one, just like this man coming up to Andromeda being like, wait, you don't have to die. You're beautiful. <laughs> and then that being like the basis of love. I know. Pretty privileged. It's pretty privileged, you know? I mean, same with a lot of these Disney stories are like, oh, she cute. Let me let me kiss her and get her back let up me save going her right again. Quick. Yeah, let me, if you let weren't me cute, me. I would have just kept writing. No, sorry, sorry to this, sorry to this woman. And that's sad. That's sad. It's so sad, and it's it's really interesting to think about how this story based in beauty ended up being whitewashed, almost as if they couldn't even fathom. Yes, a quote unquote burnt face <laughs> being pretty. <laughs> being beautiful right and that was the idea and Jamada was that gorgeous that like he stopped everything to go save her like mm -hmm. everything he had just, he was tired just got done doing the atlas thing medusa and oh i got one more fight of me for this this pretty lady right. and so <laughs> the greeks however did not call these people nubians or kushites as we do today they called them ethiopes which is essentially ethiopians um mm. AKA the burnt faced ones. I really don't. <laughs> I just, it hurts, right? Racism going racism. They've been racist for a very long time, but they thought we were cute. So I don't know. That's, you know, better. Um, and so they knew perfectly whether the Nubians were black skin and are um, of the Sudanese of that same region today. So again, all these myths and stories it's coming from there and so even there is um a a painter a a niboid a niboid painter who had painted these different va vases and essentially on the vase um you they you know on the vases where they would like tell stories it was like modern day instagram like oh i gotta i gotta get this story <laughs> down but on that vase, yes and on this vase they were very uh careful to make her of dark skin she had african features so you're having all of these you know stories that you know she um was black um and so i that's where you're getting a lot of this this from and so the black land of ethiopia is the local for the story of like i said uh sophocles euripides they all said it there in ethiopia and even ovid you know ovid even Ovid, the roman poet clearly refers to her as a dark skin more than once and then what had happened was that during the early re re early renaissance era her ethnic identity continued in this direction even so but I believe it was the process of whitewashing began with the Italian humanist author. Um, oh, wait, no, no, no. This still continued on. Well, we're going to get to who did this. I'm going to find out who made her white. I'm going to find out. Let me get into this article a little bit more. So the process began with the Italian uh, humanist author uh, Petrarch in the 14th century. He was inspired by Ovid and also explicitly described her as black as well. And then there were three centuries later, the Dutch artist Abraham van Debenbeek finally gave visual form to this new interpretive turn and uh, also had her have a, a dark body of Andromeda. Um, shown chained to a rock, which uh, anytime, you know, Dutch person showing a black person in chains, I can't mm -hmm. help but think about that Dutch slave trade. Maybe y'all got right. a little affinity of seeing this as an image. Um, 
But yes, yeah, so Ovid continued this. Uh, you could read in his poems, The Metamorphosis. Um, he talks about, uh, you know, uh, her features that, you know, that she was um, of marble stature. Um, and he just describes her in like th these descriptions as, you know, black, black lady, the, the pretty black lady over there. <laughs> I and there were also so it's I think the idea is that over time those certain especially when it came to paintings um in the Renaissance mm -hmm. era is when they just started like you know whitening her up a little bit we see it on time right it's so true it's really fascinating to think about because again just because of those like beauty standards beauty narratives mm. um and interesting also to hear that her the color of her skin was preserved up until the renaissance yeah portrayal of her well some well, there's some because there were some people who were just trying to keep it to the classics of what they heard they were like let's just keep it to what mm -hmm. it is but you did start having these other painters who um and and in fact there was a guy this flemish painter abraham oh yeah the one i was talking about abraham oh you know abraham van diebeke beek <laughs> So he was actually scolded by his editor when he did this, who like was like, why did you fill her in with a Moorish color? Um, when he, and he said when she was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the world. Wow. And so he was actually going against the grain because at this time in the Renaissance, they started, you know, oh, let's, you know, especially Italian Renaissance, they were like white everything. Because even right. when you start getting like, you know, they're painting Jesus and they're making him white and blonde as fuck when it's like this man was from the Middle East. Like, what are you talking about? Get that out of here. Right. Wow, that's fascinating. It's giving Hermione from Harry Potter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who was clearly depicted, um, you know, as a student of color from the descriptions of her hair and, and all the other descriptions of her in the book. And then when it got to the movie, she was white. <laughs> and then you have, and it's so interesting because the... Uh, she who shall not be named um on yes. one aspect is doing something really interesting about you know it's this metaphor of like a mogul and people there's a lot of racism that's happening and so she's kind of doing it right by having it's sort of like the play wicked alpha but should always be a black woman and now now that cynthia and revio uh, revo is playing her it has so much more layers it's like oh yeah she's green they hate her and who better mm -hmm. to like channel that story and journey than a black woman you know as being alphaba um right and people were all outraged because like the stage production they put hermione back as black and they're like that's not hermione yes right yeah you're so right it's it's also really fascinating to think about this story of andromeda because it's a classic right and yeah. it's very foundational to storytelling it's been told many times before and in a way and this is like reaching but it is very true it builds a foundation of beauty and how beauty was looked at. Yep. And with her being whitewashed, imagine if she hadn't been, then mm. there would have just been this phenomenal yeah. black woman at the center of this story. And yeah. Yeah. Well, there was this one part in uh, the article that was talking about, um, let me see if I can find it. Um, it, it it started oh shoot let me see if i can find it so sorry sarah hold please uh uh where did i do that 
Come on, article. Do your thing. Oh, of course, the internet is. Um, one second. Because I have, so there's this idea. Oh, let me. Is it here? Oh, all of these pop ups. Do you want this ad? No. <laughs> no, I don't. You want to subscribe to HelloFresh? <laughs> Not at this moment. No. Uh... <laughs> oh, it's in this one. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, keep going, keep going. Um, I know I don't want these specialized skills. Uh, shoot. The Root has so many ads. It does. It makes me sad. Uh, Just uh, give us the info. Yeah, I'll even become a subscriber. I will. Uh, where did I read this? I know. Okay. So, uh, during the... Okay, so I... There was all this sort of evidence into that, 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 so during, it was really during, um, the time of like the, the, the Renaissance, um, that you started seeing painters that really start depicting her, um, as white. And you also started to have a, um, when you look at the Bible, so you have like the Greek Bible, which had equated black with beautiful to the Latin Bible, which in the fourth century had begun inserting the word, but between them. So... If black was the color of skin, the assumption ran it could not be beautiful, and thus Perseus would have to overlook Andromeda's outward appearance to fall in love. So wow. you have this start equating this idea with black as like evil and bad and negative. And so it was sort of this idea of like, oh, well, she couldn't have been black because she was so beautiful. So that's impossible. She white. Right. She white. Period. Yeah. <laughs> And then there was this other story of Andromeda um, that was also, because again, it's a story that's been, you know, told through different ages and things like that. But there was all this this other um, rendition that actually had it that she was born. Oh, yeah. There's this other um, myth about Andromeda that she would actually, I think this came out later. Gosh, what is the story on this? That she, there was a, an Ethiopian queen who had seen one of the, like, white, paintings of had seen like i think like a white painting of andromeda and then the daughter came out as like white even though she was this black queen anyways <laughs> long story long andromeda was black and andromeda was black andromeda was black so happy black history month everybody went way <laughs> back yeah. Happy Black it. History Month, Andromeda. Happy Black History Month, Andromeda. Uh, but also, too, it just means that, like, now when they're doing these movies, like, we should be reclaiming our space when they're doing these Greek myths and these Greek, you know, uh, TV shows or whatever. We are there, too. You can do these old timey movies, and you're not just like doing a Disney quote-unquote Cinderella colorblind casting. It's like, oh, no, this actually does work. We, we were there. Surprise! Black people have been here the entire time. So, surprise! Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the new Netflix Western movie. Oh, I'm the harder using they the fall. Yes, the harder they fall, which I went down a deep Google. 
search of like these are real people they are but the movie did not do any of them justice have you seen mary field stagecoach mary she was not dressed like that she dressed like (laughs) she wore like men's they had like sexy ass zazie beats and a top hat and a bustier mary fields was a very dark-skinned woman dressed like a man sometimes was like gruff was not an, a saloon owner. She delivered the mail. She was stagecoach Mary. She uh, murdered. She would shoot bandits who would try to steal her stuff. Anyways, they took a lot of liberties. A lot of those characters didn't live around at the same time. But tell our stories. We want to see it. Where's our, our Nubian right. myths? Like We want to see more stories and folklore. African folklore is so rich. We were kings and queens and have amazing like Lord of the Rings-style tales that it deserved to be told right and include us without alterations just like you're saying and also it's like the cutting out thing especially for genres like fantasy like westerns like mythology we belong there too we belong we belong we've been here especially don't cut us out during black history month like this should be a time (laughs) to add us in even more. So, uh, happy Black History Month, Andromeda, our our Ethiopian princess. Welcome home. Welcome home is what we'll say. I love that. Welcome home, Andromeda. 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 Well, we done did that dang on thing. Well, you know, I love Emerald so much. I can't let her go. We're going to bring her back next week for an all new episode. So hang on tight. More good stuff to unpack and uncover. So there it is. That's it. All right. Well, you can catch us on the social medias. Now you love it. Now you love doing your social media thing. Big thank you to our editor and producer, Sarah Brown, and to our production coordinator, Lori Fowler, and to all of our fabulous Maximum Fun members and all of our wonderful Minority Corner listeners. We love you all so much. Take care. We'll see you next week with an all-new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to Minority Corner because together, we're the majority. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.